Thank you, George. Enjoy hearing you sing. Oh, there they are. Okay, put my glasses on. Did I ever tell you all, years ago, I used to watch people, and uh, I always thought they were agreeing with me because I'd see them doing this, you know. Then I, when, I had, when I had to get them, I realized, though, they're just, they're just messing with their bifocals, you know. <laughs> Finding a satisfying meal in a fast food world. I'm going to think aloud in some areas this morning, kind of meander through some things. Ultimately, though, we're getting to one of the Beatitudes, the next Beatitude that the Lord shared uh, with his disciples and, and with people. And for all of us, actually, it is a very simplified yet very powerful way to live is to take the words of the Lord and not just know them, you know, that we know them, read them, but that we actually live, uh, live by them. Blessed are they, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. As I was thinking about this, I, my, my first thought is, of course, well, what does that mean, well, you know, when I'm filled? We've all uh, been filled to a fault after some meal. Uh, I know some of you just can uh, be filled beyond because you like certain things, uh, cheeseburgers, lobster rolls, and things of that sort. So we all have that ability to, let's say, let me choose the word, overcompensate our hunger. So we, we understand that. So we know what that means. We're satisfied, we eat, uh, we're happy, we're content, and then sleepy. And that's typically what happens when we... Act. But the opposite of that, I think, is where this particular beatitude comes into play. What if it's the case that whatever we try to eat or whatever we try to pursue, if we go and we get something and it just doesn't fill us, it doesn't satisfy us? Well, we leave the restaurant, we're dissatisfied. You know, we've all heard, you know, reports, oh, you need to go to this restaurant or you need to try this. So we go there, we have all kinds of anticipation and everything, and we go there and, and we leave, we get... We, we order something that's been recommended to us and we get up and, you know, we, like I say, we're disappointed, kind of sad that we ended up, you know, buying that, kind of frustrated, very disillusioned, but ultimately we say, I'm not going back there. I mean, I've tried that once and I'm not going back there. Well, there are certain things that we do crave and I, that's the whole point is that we all hunger and thirst after something. Now, the point that Jesus is making here is that righteousness is actually the only thing that satisfies. And so I was thinking about, you know, how we, how we approach uh, food, um, you know, physically. And then, and then I want us to understand that Jesus tried to get his disciples, humanity, the multitudes to understand that as we have to have and we search for certain things to eat physically, our soul needs 
the same. We need to have uh, nutrients. We need to be fed. We need to be healthy in, in, our, in our soul. And so physically, when, I, when we go to a restaurant or you fix something at the house or something, I mean, you know, you want it to be um, substantive. That's why certain things that are popular today, I've tried them and I think, man, they just don't fill me up at all. There is not, they're not good, as it were. So we, we look for something that, that satisfies us, it's substantive. I personally enjoy when it's savory, a lot of salt and pepper, and always bacon drippings if I can get them. Uh, butter, butter is, is uh, the food of the gods, the way I look at that. Um, so, and for me, there are two meals that I am totally satisfied with. A cheeseburger with everything on it and breakfast. Bacon, eggs, toast, jam, butter, ham if it happens to be around. So that's on the physical side. But when you think about our soul, you know, uh, the soul has to have a different kind of nutrient than food. You know, physical food doesn't feed the soul, and, 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 the, and the, the spiritual food doesn't feed the body. So that's, that's a distinction that I actually want to make. Now, the first thing that I thought about is, well, we all, we hunger and thirst after something. Now, for me personally, I've realized over the last few years that I, I, uh, I'm always desiring and I'm always looking for what, we, what they now call hacks, uh, you know, kitchen hacks or food hacks, just little things. And the truth is, it's, not, it's, not, uh, it's a nice word to say that I'm looking for shortcuts is what I wanted to do. So I'm going to share this story about a hack that I tried 30 years ago. And, and the only purpose that I wanted, the only reason I wanted to do it, and I was even interested in it, was because I was looking for a shortcut. Uh, grown to potatoes, we had about, uh, I don't know, it seemed like acres and acres, but a uh, gentleman in the church, uh, Aubrey Copeland, we were, he wanted me to help him grow potatoes, and I said, sure. And I didn't realize that uh, he didn't want to just me to help him grow them. He actually wanted me to help him pick them and dig them and all that stuff. So we had probably 100 to 1 that year. Uh, so anyway, had all these potatoes. And I, and I thought, well, you know, I just would really like to put these things back. I, but I, I'd like to find an, an easy way to do it. And I talked to his wife, uh, Sister Copeland, and she canned potatoes. And I thought, well, how in the world do you peel 50 pounds of potatoes and then can them? Well, she told me this hack. And she said, well, here's what you need to do. And, and of course, when she told me that I could do like 20 pounds at a time, I thought, I'm in. I'm, I'm in. What she told me, she said, you take fresh potatoes out of the ground and you put them in, what I thought she said, the dishwasher. You put them in the dishwasher, turn it on rinse, and wait till it cycles out. And then when you open that up... Um, they're just spot clean, and all the peelings are down. And I thought, well, that's a slick deal. So anyway, I loaded up, took all the dirt, dirty dishes out and put in dirty potatoes in the dishwasher, loaded them up, both, both sides. I mean, I had them everywhere. Turned that thing on, ran through the cycle, and I was so excited because I had found a shortcut. 
Uh, I, that's what I wanted to do. I opened that up, and that was just the most ugly mess I had ever seen in my life. And I thought, there is no shortcut here. And I'm still looking at half-peeled potatoes. So I called, I called Bertie, I called Sister Copeland, I said, now tell me again what you said. I said, because this didn't work. And she said, well, tell me what you did. I said, well, I took all the potatoes. I had like 30 pounds of potatoes. I put them in the dishwasher. Oh, I didn't say the dishwasher. I said the washing machine. And I said, the washing machine? She said, yeah, just put me. So I, so I had another 20 pounds, so I did that. After cleaning up that mess, I put in 20 or 30 pounds in the washing machine, ran it through a cycle, and I was actually kind of, uh, I'd been burned. I was not happy about opening that lid. But when I opened that lid, that was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. All the potatoes were clean, and all the peelings were, because of the spin cycle, had thrown them up all on the top, and I just cleaned them up. I was looking for a shortcut. It didn't work out very well, that first part, but, but that's what I'm always hungering for. Some people call that lazy. I just call it efficient. I'm looking for efficiency in things. All right, now when it comes to righteousness, though, the soul, there are no shortcuts. There's nothing. I mean, there is a certain way and a certain uh, kind of nutrient that we need in our soul. Like I say, we all hunger and thirst after, after certain things, but let me just, let, let's just recount a little bit of how we hunger and thirst after things for our mind and our heart and our soul that actually they don't satisfy. A lot of people hunger after money. All right, a lot of people hunger and, and, and they want health. They want to be healthy. And they'll do everything and anything they can uh, to try to stay healthy. Some people just are hunger after recognition. You can always find them. They're the loudest one in the room of a crowd. They're the ones talking the loudest. They, they want to be recognized. Some people uh, just, you know, they hunger that they, you know, want youth. They want to stay youth all their life, which is an impossibility, and some people just want things. But when it comes to the soul, hungering after those kinds of things does not satisfy. It's like going in and you want something really good and substantive to eat, and what they bring out is rice noodles, and it, it just doesn't, it does not satisfy. So this morning, I want to look at exactly what Jesus means here about that only, and this is what he's saying, only righteousness, when you hunger and thirst after this, only righteousness satisfies. And that's a curious uh, statement. Now, he says blessed, or there's bliss, there's comfort, there's, there's calmness. When you hunger and thirst or you have a hunger and thirst after righteousness, you will be filled. Now, again, back to our, our when we go to a restaurant, that's always a toss-up whether it's the case or not, especially with something new. But let me point out what the scriptures teach about the heart, the soul, and the mind of humanity, all right? The scriptures teach that we have to be very aware and very cautious about the things we pursue. Jesus taught that. Don't pursue things that thieves can get or that rust can corrupt because he said you'll be left with nothing. 
The writer of Proverbs says, you know, hell or the grave and destruction are never full. The eyes of mankind are never satisfied. There was an old statement, I think it was Mahatma Gandhi said, the world has enough to provide for everything that mankind needs except greed. And that is exactly right. So, um, there is no blessedness when we hunger and thirst after anything and everything. And we live in a world and a culture right now when, where everything and anything is promised to meet your need. Doesn't matter. Give enough time, you'll read enough articles, you'll see enough headlines that if you buy this product or you do this or you go in this class, you will feel better. You'll be a better person inside. You'll be more calm. You'll be able to sleep better, all kinds of things. Best way not to, to sleep better is do not eat hot chilies late at night. You know, I mean, just that's the best way, or hot links. Um, so the scriptures teach us that, that by nature, we're not ever satisfied. Uh, in fact, the writer of Ecclesiastes says, He who loves silver will never be satisfied with silver. The one who loves abundance, he'll never be satisfied with a crease. He said, this is increase. This is a, a, a vanity. I like especially what uh, in the book of Isaiah it says. It's, it's like when we live and we're always pursuing what the world has to offer. The writer of uh, Isaiah says, it, it, it's like when a hungry man dreams. I like how he says this. He looks, he eats, but when he awakes... His soul is still empty. Or when a thirsty man dreams, he drinks, he awakes, and still he is faint and his soul still craves water. That's the problem we encounter when we are trying to address our soul or address our heart or our mind or our lack of happiness or our lack of contentment with the things of the world. It just will not meet that need and therefore we can never ever be satisfied and what Jesus is teaching here is that if if our heart and soul are not filled we will never be satisfied deep within us the heart can yearn for anything we know that from experience all of us do our heart can yearn after things that are temporary things that last a long time it can yearn and and be hungry for anything and everything even the impossible but if our heart is is hungering and thirsting after anything and everything what jesus is saying is you'll never be filled you will never ever be filled but on the contrary if you hunger and thirst after righteousness you will be filled and that's a great great promise a great statement as I was thinking about this I was thinking that not everyone desires to be hungry you know I mean there are certain foods that I will not uh, I don't care how they're prepared I just won't eat them uh, hominy is one and I've mentioned this for 40 some odd years uh, people have tried to sneak hominy in me on dishes and everything uh, you know, I, you can just pick it up. I mean, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to go. I mean, if someone says it's a two-for-one on hominy day, I'm not going. It doesn't matter. I just don't eat hominy. Uh, we don't have to hunger and thirst after righteousness. But, but, but when we don't, 
We need to take what Jesus is saying. You'll never be filled. You'll never be comforted. You'll never have satisfaction. You'll never have that sense that I'm complete in what I'm doing. Because only an appetite for righteousness, according to Jesus, is the only thing, the only thing that can touch your heart, change your soul, clean your mind. Righteousness. So it brings me then to, okay, exactly what is righteousness? That's an interesting word, by the way. We use it uh, in slang. You know, boy, that's a righteous thing he did. Uh, or, or we use it in, in, in justice. You know, it's a righteous justice. But it's an interesting word, especially the, the history of it, because originally it sounded out right wiseness is how it was in the old English spelled. Right wiseness. In other words, Having a wiseness about what's right, what's wrong. Some people would call that common sense. I don't know that I would agree with that, though there is, seems to be an absence of common sense today. And because of that, there's also an absence of right things. Uh, so, but when we look at what righteousness is, it has always meant a sense of what is right and what is wrong. Now this comes in in all facets of our life. We have a sense of righteousness when it comes to justice. We want justice to be righteous. We want it to be right. We also have a sense of uh, righteousness when it comes to integrity. Uh, someone says something that's not true and you just kind of say, well, man, that's not right. That's not right. That's that sense of righteousness. We, we want that. And it and, and so, from our standpoint, rightness is something that we understand. Then it was attached to being godly. That, that, that person is godly and they're, they, they're pious or godly. Which then brings me to where righteousness actually stems from or sources from. And it comes from God. One day Jesus was talking and a lawyer came up to him. And he said, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus immediately looked at him and he said, there is none good but God. So all God, I mean, all good comes from God. I had an interesting class years ago at, at, uh, when I was doing graduate work. A professor told me, in fact, the class was how to, ha how to have good without God. And I thought about that, and I went through it and, you know, listened and everything. And, and I just couldn't reach it because that means that if we want to try to derive good or righteousness or goodness apart from God, that means we're getting it from each other. And we've all had enough experience with each other to know that on our best days, we still stumble around. So we need God. We need him for that standard, for that source. And so I think what Jesus is referring to here is if you or when you hunger and thirst after the righteousness, that right wiseness of God, you'll be filled. That second part is a promise has been, has, has been noted. When we look at uh, righteousness, you know, uh, we, we, think, we think that, well, if a person is righteous, they're, you know, it's, it's their character, it's how they think, it's how they act, and, which is very, very true. 
But apart from us, we're all pretty limited, even on our best days. In fact, I like to think of it this way. On our best days, we might be better than the person next to us, but on our best days, we're still worse when it comes to God. We just can't stand in the light of God and not recognize that like the prophet did, woe is me, I, 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 I'm unclean. So when we, when we have this idea of, of, of hungering and thirsting, first of all, we all have that. We have that desire. That's part of our existence and part of our life. We are all going to hunger and thirst after something. The point he's making is if you hunger and thirst after anything and everything, you'll never be filled in your heart. But on the other hand, Jesus is pointing out, if you hunger and thirst after the righteousness, the rightness of God, you will be filled. God will fill you. I will fill you. That's a promise. So, as I was thinking about this, I thought, well, there are some examples in the Old Testament and the Scripture about, about what it's like to hunger and thirst after God. Over the years, and I was at the front of the line, you know, you, you think that church and God's people and godly things are just, you know, for those who want to do it, but it's not necessarily for everybody. Later on, I realized that, no, it is for everybody. It's just that not everybody wants what God has to offer. But those who do, those who decided to pursue, to find God, to ask God to forgive them, ask God to cleanse their heart, ask God to make a new, new person out, out of them, for those people... We have record in the Old Testament about what they say about that. And the question becomes, was that a bad decision? Did they decide to go to a bad restaurant? Was it, or, do they have regrets following God? And that's, that's a question I think everybody, everyone ought to ask. Do you have regrets in following God? I can say honestly, that's the one thing I have zero regrets about is following God. That's the one thing in my life. But here's what the psalmist wrote. One thing he says, I have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I can dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold his beauty. There's no regrets there. David decided to do it, but he had no regrets. He still desired that. As we sang... On the earlier hymn, he also wrote, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before you? And then finally, he says, God, oh, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water, which brings me back to where we are. We are living in a land, a culture, a landscape, a season, where when it comes to all kinds of fast foods and things, you can find anything you want. But when it comes to food for your soul, you're in a dry and thirsty land. There's just not a lot out there. 
We can't find the true sense of what's right and wrong. Like I said last week and, and many weeks before, we're in a time when that what was good is now bad, that what was bad is now good. And so we don't have the landscape. We don't have access to find something that sustains our soul. And you think, might think, well, why is that important? I'll tell you why it's important. When the soul becomes so discouraged and so discombobulated, people take their lives, they look for escapes, they do anything and everything so that they can at least try to find some sort of calm or happiness. And at this point in our, in our world, in our culture, in our life, we are at an all-time high on all these things when, in fact, if it were the case that things and money and health provided happiness, well, we ought to be the happiest country in the world because we have everything. But it's not delivering anything for the soul. So if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, what Jesus is, is saying here, you'll find a blessedness, a bliss. You'll find a comfort, a, a calmness. You know, I think about uh, physically when you eat. One of the greatest times that when you can truly understand bliss from a physical standpoint, just bliss, is Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving meal, all right? Nothing like it, is there? I mean, you eat. No one's on your shoulder saying you shouldn't eat that. Uh, they're not saying, oh, man, is that your third helping? You know, I mean, everyone is just enjoying that. But what's so funny is when, it's, when you've all just done the damage and everybody is trying to be, they're trying to be nice and everything, but you can tell they're looking for a corner and a chair and, some, and a pillow just to lay down. That is bliss of a good meal. There is bliss for the soul, likewise. There is. Now, let's look at this as I come to a close on this. And, and that's what I love about the Beatitudes. I don't have to add a lot of stuff to them. They're powerful in and of themselves. It's the simple statements. But I want to look at in closing... If we were to take, uh, you know, righteousness, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, look at it as you're going to a restaurant, okay? You're going to a restaurant, and I'm going to, I want, I'm hungering and I'm thirsting, not after a cheeseburger, not after breakfast. I'm hungering and thirsting after righteousness. So you sit down, and... You begin to look at the menu, and you look, and what I always look at is, what's the ingredients in this? As long as they don't put green peppers in, I'm fine. So I look at the ingredients. When you look at the ingredients of righteousness, it's pure good. There is nothing bad for you in righteousness. And God is not going to require something bad for any of us. Because when he gives his righteousness, it is nothing but pure good. Then I look at the nutritional value of righteousness. You know, we're always looking. You go to the restaurant and you think, man, I'd sure like to have those fries. Double order, please. Um, by the way, did you know McDonald's, that was their secret? You know, a lot of people say there's sugar. That's not the only thing. They started out and, and were this way until about 1992. They used uh, tallow 
uh, beef fat, Sally fried them. So once I found that out, guess what I do? I cook down beef tallow and I fry stuff in it, and boy, it's good. But now let's look at righteousness. What is the nutritional value? Well, first of all, you'll never get too much righteousness. You don't have to worry about the calories. You'll never have too much. But the important thing about it is righteousness is so healthy for us. It heals our heart. Righteousness cleans us up. Righteousness leads us down that pathway where we feel better about our lives, about who we are, what we're doing, and why we're doing it. So righteousness, as far as the nutritional value, it's all about the health of it. It's a, you talk about a healthy, healthy food for the soul. Righteousness is. What about the cost of it? You sit down, you want to order some. You, you, I'm hungering and thirsting after righteousness. So you start looking. And you've seen the menus where they have all these ingredients and a beautiful, looks like it's going to be a beautiful, but they don't have the price on it. And I just, I always like to know what the price is before you order something. What about righteousness? What does it cost you to have the righteousness of God? Not one penny. Because the bill's already been paid. It's all taken care of. So righteousness, not only is it just pure good, not only does it, is it healthy for our soul and it heals our soul, but it doesn't cost us anything. It's been paid. What about the service? We always notice that, don't we? Because that's going to determine what somebody gets at the end, you know, the, the tip or whatever. What about the service? I'm hungering and thirsting after righteousness. I want that I've looked at everything. And now you're waiting to be served. And so what about the service? It's the most kind and caring and attentive service you'll ever get. Because it is the Lord, our Lord, who serves it to us. He's the one who comes. He's the one who is meek and lowly. He's the one who will lift you up. He's the one who will clean up. Whatever, it doesn't matter. The service is impeccable when it comes to righteousness. So, I hunger and thirst after righteousness. The ingredients, the nutritional value, the cost, the service is great. Presentation, it's so beautiful to think. Like a plate comes out and it just looks all good and everything. Righteousness is that beautiful, if not more so. When you stop and think about it, there's nothing bad in righteousness. When you look at it, when you read it, when you take it in, there is nothing bitter about righteousness from God. Then the final question, will you go back? You finish a restaurant and you'll make that decision, I'm not ever going back, or if you had a great meal, you say, I'm going back, like tomorrow. I'm going to go back. When it comes to righteousness, you will discover you will have no regrets whatsoever from the righteousness of God. Not one. You will want to go back, like the psalmist says, you will be hungry and thirsty for God. You will want to see him. You will be like Moses 
on Mount Sinai when he begged God, please let me see your glory. Or like the Greeks who came to find Jesus and they said, we would like to see Jesus. There's no regrets in the righteousness of God. And so, Jesus is the one who sang this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And then this last part, they will be filled. How can he say that? I'll tell you how you can say it. Because he's the one that's going to fill your heart and soul. Let me just share with you in closing what Jesus said. Jesus says to a woman who was empty in her heart. She had tried everything. It was in Samaria at a well. You know, I've mentioned this and we've talked about it. You know, she's there and, 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 you know, she'd had uh, several husbands and she was living with a man. So, but she tried everything and was unhappy deep within her heart, even tried a, a kind of a form of religion. And Jesus just looked at her and says, you don't know what you worship, which is really true. And so he was talking about the water and the well. And, and he said, if you only knew, you know, who was here, you would ask for that water. And she said, well, I would like to have that water because I don't want to come back here. She's like me looking for a shortcut. I don't want to come back. And what Jesus said to her is he said, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But the water I give, no one will ever thirst again. Jesus will make sure that if we hunger or thirst after righteousness, he will fill us. He said the same thing about uh, the bread from heaven. He says we can eat the bread, we can do stuff here in this life, but he said the bread that I give will be bread for eternity. So, you will be filled. That's what he's promising. So, as we hunger and thirst about, we can't anything and everything, what Jesus ultimately is pointing out is, however, you will never be filled, satisfied. You will never have comfort in your heart unless you are hungering and thirsting after righteousness. And that righteousness is what comes from God. So with that in mind, Let's read this final, oh, the blessed joy, oh, the blessedness of hungering and thirsting after God. Jesus says, you will be satisfied. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the time to be in your house and to think and, Lord, to contemplate our own lives. I pray today, Lord, if there's anyone here who is just empty in their heart, they have no satisfaction in their soul, I pray that these words would settle, settle upon them. May they understand that you are not like mankind. When you make a promise, you carry it out. And you've promised us in this that if we search after, we seek after the righteousness of God, that you will fill us, you will satisfy us. We will find that, and we will find that comfort. I pray for anyone, Lord, who carries the world on their shoulders. I, I pray for them, Lord, if they are just so heavy because of their life. I pray that they would see that you can help them in their lives, and I'll give you thanks for that in our Lord's name.
Amen. Let's stand this morning as we come to a close and sing a hymn. It's an old hymn, good hymn, just as I am, because that's exactly how we need to understand we come to God just as we are. So as we sing, what? 435. 435. You can pray where you are in your pew. You can come and pray at the altar.